Holy Spirit, we just thank you for leading tonight. Whoa, we thank you. We get to flow, we get to walk, we get to ride the wave. We get to be carried along by you tonight. Thank you, Lord. Well, over the last uh, few weeks, we've had a lot of fun on these Wednesday nights. Been going through some amazing sessions, I, I believe. Um, we did some of Baxter's in teaching. We did a, a series on grace discipleship. We did a series on hearing God is easy. You can go back and check um, the podcast or the YouTube channel and find those. Um, if you just look up our YouTube channel or look up Matt and Katie Spinks uh, or the Firehouse Projects podcast, you can find all those recordings. Last week, we just started to dive into the meat of the gospel. Whoa, starting a new series called What is the Gospel? Or Who, What, When, Where, Why is the Gospel? And we're going to take some time and just ruminate in this. This is, to me, I mean, the gospel is the meat. It's so sad that some people think that you just spend a, you quickly glance over it and then you want to move on to the deep things. There is nothing deeper than the gospel gospel there is nothing more uh hammered there's nothing that bears more fruit um jesus had one message everywhere he went he preached as we talked about last week the kingdom of heaven is at hand Woo. but we barely believe it you know we we barely have any clue what is included here Gen genuinely i'm still we're just like kids, like just a, we stumbled upon the candy store, you know, we came into the, the all, all gifts are free, the toy store, the Christmas, the Disneyland, we stumbled in and here we are. And we so quickly oftentimes move on and we wonder why we're, we're struggling, striving uh, in stress and in troubles, many troubles. Jesus just said, I long to gather you underneath my wings. You would just rest under here and hear my comforting, comforting message. There's no such thing as too much of the comfort zone because Holy Spirit is the comforter. And this gospel is pure, unadulterated good news. So woo, we're going to dive into session two tonight. Um, I didn't uh, I didn't prepare my notes into a link. So you just have to pay attention a little bit. Follow along closely, children. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll do a couple readings and uh, we'll get into some verses and then maybe we can share testimonies or, or take questions. You know, um, the biggest thing that we get with this message is that it seems too good to be true. And people have lots of questions like how, you know, I noticed I didn't include the how in this, these sessions because um, the how it's already accomplished and it comes about naturally when you see the who, what, when, where, and why. Um, whoa. Why the kingdom of heaven is at hand, what it means, and who this is. So let's just, yeah, revel in it tonight. We're going to take a few, a few weeks on it. Um, next week, we will have uh, Rod Williams with us um, from Canaan New Wine Seminary. We will have uh, Dr. Eric Wilding the week after that, because I'm going to be gone for uh, starting tomorrow for the next three weeks in a European glory tour trip. So I will be gone. Um, but you guys are in for a treat. If you don't know Rod Williams, if you don't know Eric Wilding, uh, they will be teaching the next 
couple of, of Wednesdays, and I really highly recommend it because they're gospel junkies, gospel drinkers. Woo! So, speaking of gospel junkies and drinkers, I want to recommend two books tonight that I've used many times. I'm going to do a couple readings from these. I got that The Happy Gospel by Benjamin Dunn. You can still find this on Amazon if you don't have it yet. The Happy Gospel. Whoa. And if you, we've been using this a lot lately too. The Claim of Humanity in Christ by Alexandra Sophie Radcliffe. Ooh, if you haven't uh, picked up these books, I highly recommend them for a deep dive into the gospel. If you're like, you know, I mean, all, all we're going to do in these sessions is, you know, just whet your appetite. But there's tons of resources you can go deeper in and just kind of, if you want more now, you can't wait till next week. Go order the book. Have it overnight delivered to your house. Um, but I just want to do a couple of readings. And maybe you just want to sit back and let these words just wash over you. Whoa. I'm telling you, the, the gospel of God is what transforms everything. And so... Again, like if we get this message, wow, or we see how much this message has got us, uh, everything changes, everything transforms, our hearts are gripped, our lives, that you no longer have to make something happen, you realize it's already happened to you. So why don't you let some of these words wash over you for a bit tonight, shing, ding, 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 ding. I'm gonna read from uh, chapter four of the Happy Gospel. It's called the glad message of the happy God. Uh, uh. Okay, there we are. You might be thinking, happy gospel? Are you kidding me? I know this may be a shock, but just hold on. It's gonna be okay. When most people hear the word gospel, they seldom think happy. Because of the poison of religion and its perversions, the word gospel seldom is spoken with the idea of goodness and gladness. Oh, when I hear the word gospel, though, it thrills my emotions to a frenzy. It makes my heart leap like a spring lamb. For me, the gospel is my everything because I've tasted of the source of its gladness. I, like Paul, have been set apart for its publishing. I am a bond slave by nature, belonging to Christ Jesus, an ambassador by divine summons, permanently separated to God's good news. I am permanently separated to boast and take joy in nothing else, for nothing but the gospel carries the dose of joy that my heart requires. Woo! The gospel is the glad message. That is its simplest definition. It is the glad message of the happy God, as Rotterham translates it, the nature of the gospel is eternal gladness. Joy is most certainly its native tongue. Uh, as we read last week from Luther, it says, we must earnestly endeavor to learn this practice or at least attain some knowledge thereof and raise ourselves up with this consideration that the gospel is nothing else but laughter and joy. Oh, can somebody make a little joyful noise? There we go. The focus of this happy message is and always will be the nature of who God is 
and the nature of what he has accomplished for humanity through his son, Jesus Christ. I might even say as humanity, right? The message to humanity is infinitely blissful and glad for in it, we find the cure for fallen humankind. It offers a curse-free life. Whoa, wait, what did, what did he say? It offers a curse-free life, a happy life. The gospel itself is the drink that every heart longs for. It lifts man from his wretched and sinful state into the limitless heights of happiness and holiness only found in salvation. The gospel is centered in God's son and tells of a new existence. Just say that with me. New existence. Woo! New existence given graciously to all those that believe and trust in its power. When you encounter the pure and true gospel, you encounter something from another realm. It will hit you like a ton of bricks. Oh, I want to talk about that tonight. The, the realm, the realm of the gospel. We'll get there. The in Christ reality, seeing it as, re, as actually a reality, as, as the reality. It hits you like a ton of bricks. Its goodness instantly disintegrates all of your tainted preconceived ideas about Christianity. It revolutionizes you and scandalizes everything you ever heard or maybe even believed about Christ and his work on the cross. Does this sound foreign? When you think of the gospel, do you see it in such light and joy? If not, would you like to think of it that way? I would like to challenge you to dig deep into the core of what you know as the gospel and see if you find the same as I have. Shall you find the same treasure? The truth is there are many non-gospels that are in opposition to God's good news. Uh-oh, non-gospels. These pretend to be God's message, but none of these can or will have the same effect as the true gospel on the heart of the believer. None can produce the heart sanctification and endless peace that only the true good news can produce. When this message is declared, it does not leave a person at the altar in a puddle of tears feeling unworthy and pitiful. Oh, no, in fact, when preached in its purity, the glorious gospel lifts people from the garbage dumps of sin and seats them in heavenly places with Christ. It leaves humanity with a realization that there was an inestimable cost paid to make them holy. The gospel opens the door to a new reality. Whoa, there it is again. There it is. Whoa, it leaves us with beauty and trade for ashes, tears turned into wine. Depression turned into dancing. The gospel leads people to repentance, not because of the fear of eternal punishment, but because of the promise of eternal bliss. It is the goodness of God that leads a man to repent. It is his divine pleasure that entices salvation. In the gospel, we see the greatest gift ever given to the world, the gift of Christ. Ooh. Oh, man, I could go on and on. Let me skip over here. Ooh. When we see the promises fulfilled in the gospel, it leaves us breathless. We are clueless when it comes to the reality of goodness and grace that the gospel has given us. Indeed, we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospels. It will seem that our Lord finds our desires not strong, but too weak. This is C.S. Lewis. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of the holiday at the sea. 
The gospel offers a drink of grace that none could afford, but it asks nothing in return. Come, buy and eat. Yes, buy priceless spiritual wine and milk without money and without price, simply for the surrender that accepts the blessing. When this drink of grace has been drunk, we are left under its divine influence. In fact, that is the definition of grace, the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. This possession by grace illustrates itself by outward expressions of joy. The glorious gospel was intended and can only be perfectly communicated in this way through public displays of divine affection. The gospel fills us with God's pleasure and makes the world jealous. And there is nothing more persuasive than a believer enjoying God. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. Let's lock ourselves in the cellar of the words of Paul for a while and see what vintage we might find. The words of Paul are living creatures and have hands and feet, said Martin Luther. Let us have an encounter with those living creatures found in the gospel. And we, like Martin Luther, might find a revolution of laughter and joy. Thank you, Jesus. That's the happy gospel by Benjamin Dunn. A few little excerpts. This is just our warm-up reading, just to get you all jacked up. Literally every day since 2008, when I heard this message, it's just been hammered. It's been hammered drunk, like it dawned upon me, like a ton of bricks, a whole new reality. We fell into the wine cellar and lost the key. It's like over and over, my life is rocked by the fact that I'm in heaven on earth now. Let me let me uh, read a little bit. So this is a this is a heady, a little bit more heady of a theological book, "The Claim of Humanity in Christ," woo, by Alexander Sophie Radcliffe. She's an awesome mystic theologian. She wrote a lot on the Torrance brothers. This is her doctoral thesis. Um, but chapter four is called "Christ Is Our Holiness: Objective Over Subjective." And this is something we'll talk a little bit about tonight, but this is what the good news is not an offer, right? It's not, it's not even a promise. The good news is reality. The good news is already true. Jesus didn't come to potentially save us. He's not a potential savior. The gospel is not something that could happen if there's no conditions. It's a statement of objective reality. Um, a lot of times when we talk about reality in the gospel, I like to say, you know, anytime something happens, say there was a car accident out by your house and there were 10 witnesses, what actually happened is the object of reality. But what the, all those 10 different people tell their story, they're going to give you their subjective view of reality, right? And most of the time, for some reason in the church, we've just been preaching our subjective experiences, our view which will only take us so far, right? But the reason why, uh, you know, the Jesus came in the flesh and, and left us the witness of the apostles is that we might have as close to as possible of an objective view of reality rather than our lenses, our distorted perception of it. I'm sick, I'm broken, I'm a sinner, I'm stuck, life sucks, go on, et cetera, et cetera. Or I'm on a journey, I'm, I'm making my way there. Instead, uh, the gospel comes as a proclamation of the objective reality. So it's, whoa, this is, we're talking about multiple dimensions, multiple realities, another dimension, you know, 
And if you don't preach Christ that way, it's always going to end up in religion, in striving, in trying to get somewhere rather than resting in where you already are. Because this is an objective truth. And regardless of your subjective experience, whether it feels true, whether it seems true today, whether you can explain it, whether you can understand it, uh, whether anyone you know has seen it, um, that's subjective stuff. But the objective reality is Christ and him crucified and his message, which is when he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's objectively true. And that's the good news. But this is how Alexander says it. So I'm just going to do a a few quick little readings from her, uh, chapter four of her book. But, uh, whoa, run, run, ding, dong, ding, dong. Okay. Woo. I'm just, I'm just picking random phrases from it. Um, what I have observed so often in the Christian church is that whether conservative or liberal, traditional or contemporary, emergent or mega church, Christians basically live as saved by grace, but sanctified by works. We depend on our own efforts, our own choices, our own accomplishments or zeal. Grace is where we start the Christian life, but often we somehow end up thrown back upon our own resources, feeling under a great burden. Then we become first unimpressed, then perhaps depressed, and finally even coldly cynical about the whole Christian life itself. This burden is created when sanctification is separated from its ground with justification in Christ and made a subsequent stage in the ordo salutis or the order of salvation. Humanity is then turned back upon its own resources to attempt to achieve sanctification. The Torrance family, the Torrance brothers, affirm the liberating reality that sanctification is rooted definitively with justification in the vicarious humanity of Christ. It is the vicarious humanity of Christ, Bart considers, that is key to releasing humanity from a contractual conception of sanctification. And here's another quote from Bart. He says, It has not always been taken with sufficient seriousness that he took our place and acted for us not merely as the son of God who established God's right and our own uh, by allowing himself, the judge, to be judged for us, but also as the son of man who was sanctified, who sanctified himself. Far too often the matter has been conceived and represented as though his humiliation to death for our justification by him as a representative were his own acts, but our exaltation with fellow- to fellowship with God as our corresponding counter move. And therefore, our sanctification is left up to us to be accomplished by us. All this I did for thee, what will thou do for me? But the New Testament does not speak in this way. The subjective outworking of sanctification can also become a burden when it's conceived as an external logico-causal response. (laughs) I know these are big theological things. Whereby the Christian must apply Christ's benefits. With the aid of the Spirit, the grace of God can p- begin to seem merely as a provided to us as a new potential. We can end up thinking by grace that uh, God made the Christian life possible by forgiving our sins and giving us a new status of being in right relationship with Him. Now, all we have to do is appropriate, apply, or actualize this new potential life that God has graciously, graciously given us. But no, we say no. 
It's not left up to us. Thank you, Lord. Ooh, the subjective nature of sanctification has not typically been a Protestant emphasis. Um, ooh, oh, yeah. I don't know how deep we want to go into this. This is a good, heady, like, theology, Christology, really. Um, ooh. One of TF's particular concerns was that people would be turned back upon their own endeavors by an external conception of the atonement, an external scheme presenting Christ merely as an example that we must follow. What would Jesus do, right? Rather than as our head in whom humanity died and was resurrected. Ooh. Modern Christianity often fails to offer a convincing account of the transformation of humanity and therefore demands our own impossible efforts. TF feels strongly that a mere exemplar of Christ leaves humanity in utter darkness and despair, but he champions the objective nature of the atonement through the vicarious humanity of Christ. Whoa. Thus ends our text. Shabbat. <laughs> I don't know. It's just fun to read some of that stuff, you know, and just to let these truths wash over us. Maybe that's not where you were today. Maybe you haven't been contemplating these things, but just to hear the gospel truth that it's all done, guys. It's all, whoa, it is done. Uh, even the appropriating, even the yielding, even the surrendering, even the application. It's a, uh, whoa. There's so many things we so quickly in our pride, like in our old pride that isn't even us, uh, can turn this thing back into what you need to do to become like me. You know, what I did to apply this good news, instead of just seeing it as an objective, done reality. The gospel is news, right? You don't read the newspaper to talk about potential things or to see the future, unless maybe you're reading the horoscopes, which is all just hoomba boomba. Anyway, you read the, the news to find out what's already happened. Amen. Like we talked about last week, one of heaven's favorite words is already. Woo! Already. Yay. Already done. Already done. Let's look at one scripture. Let's look at Romans 8 real quick. You know, uh, you, as you begin to see the finished work, which is the gospel, more and more and more, you'll notice throughout the Bible how many past tense phrases there are, how many already's there are. Uh, Romans 8 29. Whoa, let's look at this. There's so many beautiful declarations in the words of Paul as Ben was writing there, quoting Luther. Uh, the, the words of Paul are like living creatures. Um, Romans 8 29 says those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and those he predestined past tense he also called past tense those he called he also justified both past tense those whom he justified he also glorified these are all already terms Already glorified, already justified, already called, already predestined. Woo! I mean, the extreme one is glorification there, guys. Like, that's one that throughout the ages, everyone said that's far off in the future. But as Francois says, you know, the, the way to end religion is to remove distance and delay. 
There is no delay to this. It's an already message. Romans 8 is so rich there. If we would actually believe it, but we find ways of taking these it's because of our subjective experience didn't feel that way. We move the, these things off into the future. We say they must not be true yet because I haven't experienced it. Now that's, that's preaching subjective reality. The gospel is always, always objective reality. The gospel is always what's true, whether you feel it or experience it or not, that gives you the grounds to experience it. Amen. As you hear the message, it begins to manifest in your life. Faith comes by hearing. So, and that's why we still preach. Yeah, everybody's included. It's all finished. It's all done. People are like, well, then why evangelize? Like, because people don't know it. And until you hear it, you don't experience, you know, you might experience some without knowing, but when you know all the goodies, the whole new world opens up before you. So, woo. well, that was just the intro guys. That was just the fun intro. Here we are 40, 40 minutes in la, 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 la. Let's get into, uh, so every week we'll kind of have a little different emphasis and you might get something different out of there, but, um, man, I'm, I'm just convinced, man, this is, I, I kept, I've kept hearing this phrase recently. People are like, you know, I don't want to get into toxic positivity. You heard that? You heard anybody say that toxic positivity, which is, you know, there, there is that thing like, um, in, you know, where people will just, if you're having a hard time, people will just say, oh, put a smile on that face, you know, just look up, brother, you know, everything's going to be fine. And it can feel just kind of like uh, glossing over things, you know, um, and there maybe there is some toxic positivity out there in this world, but the gospel is intoxicating positivity, <laughs> intoxicated positivity. Like I love recently, I've really been enjoying like Dan Moeller's stuff some of Dan Mullers, because when you listen, and I don't agree with Dan on everything, I probably don't agree with anybody on everything, but when you listen to Dan, he will not let you get away with uh, complaining, victim mentality, believing in lack, believing it's not a finished work. He will just, he will just blast you in the face with intoxicating positivity. He's like, when you watch Dan, he's like, why are we complaining guys? You're a Christian. You're filled with the Godhead. Why? What are these complaints happening? It's like, I don't even ask people how they're doing anymore because everybody just, when you ask that, they want to be authentic. And when they think, they think being authentic means to talk about all the problems. And then they just start doing the exact opposite of what the Bible tells us. You know, <laughs> he doesn't let, he, he is, he is a relentless on that. And I feel the Holy Ghost on it, man. Like if we're preaching this gospel, it's the gladdest news. It's the happiest news ever. Like, so I, I'm sure some of us are going to get accused of <laughs> positivity, uh, but when all of your life is heaven on earth and gumdrops and candy canes and rainbows, like what, what are you going to do now? I know there are circumstances, right? People, well, circumstances still happen. And of course, you know, um, Paul was like, but Paul in Philippians four goes, I found the secret of contentment, whether I'm in, whether I'm in a, abundance or in lack in some outward circumstance, I'm tasting of the, of the inward, the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and whole and joy in the Holy ghost, like overflowing it's intoxicating positivity. It's hyper positivity, this gospel. And so anyway, um, I, I want to just keep ruminating in this until 
we're, we're like, we have that Dan Moeller syndrome, man, where we can't even entertain victim mentality, where we can't entertain woe is me, where we're not, where someone asks how you are and you begin to speak about who you are in Christ. That doesn't mean there's not a time where you can express frustration to a friend or you need to, you know, say I'm struggling in an area. But I've told people this many times over the years. I've found once you get the gospel, I really believe like 90% of our conversation should just be the object of truth of what's really going to eternally true about us in Jesus Christ. Uh, and then, yeah, 10% of the time you need to share with a friend if you're having a struggle or something like that, you know, be real. But um, but ultimately being real is is what we're talking about tonight. Whoa, Jesus Christ is reality. And uh, so let's, let's go into that. Uh, I just wanted to take a few minutes and talk about the who of the gospel, right? The who. I think we read this last week, but T.F. Torrance says that uh, the Trinity is the grammar and ground of the gospel. The Trinity. Um, whoa, I just did this, um, this video with Brandon Nix from Alabama. It was super fun. If you, it's on my wall, my Facebook wall, if you want to find it, or it's on Brandon's Trinitarian Birmingham group. But we were just talking about the Trinitarian, how the Trinity, the word Trinity and gospel should always be just intermingled. Like, um, and you know, I, I was just reading some Torrance earlier and he was talking about how in a lot of reformed and evangelical theology, you could remove the Trinity and it wouldn't even change. And how sad is that? Because the who, this is all about intimate relationship with God, with the being, with the real person, with the who. And when we lose that, we end up with these dry stoic doctrines. You know, we end up with these um, things that ultimately, if, if it's not about the Trinity, then it's going to end up being about us. And we put things back on our shoulders, you know, but uh, the who. So when we want to understand the gospel, we do need to back up. And uh, Baxter's in series was about this quite a bit. Baxter talks about this a lot, but um, Dr. C. Baxter Kruger. But we need to start from the, the ground and grammar of the gospel, which is Abba, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. Some of you are talking about the who, but you should be talking about Abba because Abba's greatest hits are, no, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Couldn't resist. Uh, no, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have never known separation. This is where we start. This is where the gospel starts from. Papa, Jesus, and Holy Spirit have never, they don't know separation right? The three in one reality means that they're not just three separate persons or, you know, they're distinct, but they are always together. You know, Rod, Rod Williams says the Trinity travels in a pack. You know, they, if you have one, where we go, one, we go all. Oh, sorry. That's, that's going to trigger somebody else. But um, no, the, <laughs> the Trinity travels in a pack and they, they are the ones declaring reality, declaring truth, holding the substance of reality together. And so when we know there's no separation, um, there could never be separation. Uh, it removes, you know, some of those doctrines where we, we end up thinking that, you know, uh, the father had to turn his face away to G from Jesus on the cross. And if that's true, that there was ever any separation, that then automatically is going to ultimately trickle down to us wondering at which moment we're going to be separated. You know, what, at what point will we be separated from God if we, if the gospel didn't start from a God who knows no separation, you know, so this, is this 
is the foundation of a beautiful gospel, um, a gospel of union. Whoa, a gospel of union. So, you know, if, if Father, Son, and Spirit are always intimately connected, the cross must not have been about getting us from, you know, our separated state over here and bringing us to God. But the gospel must have been about something else. The, the cross must have been about something else. Because the, the nature of the Trinity does not allow for separation, right? So even if there's a moment where you felt like you were over here and God was over here, that was, that was only in your mind. We were separated in our minds, you know. Uh, Col- Colossians 1 says we are enemies of God, but in our minds, you know. And so, oh, it's so beautiful. It changes everything. We have to begin to ask, what was the cross about? Because Jesus Christ and him crucified are, is the gospel. But we begin to re-examine what the cross was about, not, not bring, crossing this chasm to bring us to God, but instead something else took place. And I don't want to go into all the atonement theories tonight. We, we'll do that once sometime. It's fun. But penal substitution, penal substitutionary atonement is, is wiped out by the revelation of the Trinity. There could be no separation between Father, Son, and, and Spirit. And God was in Christ reconciling the world. And so Jesus isn't left alone while the father had to be too angry. We don't end up with these pictures of a happy Jesus, happy gospel Jesus, but angry dad behind the back. You know, um, I know some of you guys have heard this a lot, but this really is the, the foundation of how we end up with a really, really drunk, beautiful gospel. And it starts from the Trinity. It starts from no separation. They know no separation. They they never have, they never will. And when God becomes a man, therefore there's never, it's to reveal there's no separation between God and humanity as well. So we're included in this, you know, this perichoresis, this divine drunken dance of, of no separation. This is what we've been included into. Oh, I'm going to have another, there we go. another cup of blood, people. Hmm. It's fun to talk about, but it's even better to drink it, you know. (laughs) No separation. Wow. Wow. And that's how we get, you know, we get verses like Luke 17. Um, If you got your Bible, you can look at Luke 17 and John 14 for a minute, but. Luke 17, 20, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. (laughs) Everybody's asking, when's the glory going to manifest? Where's the real revival? When's the kingdom going to come? When when is heaven going to come to earth? Jesus says the kingdom of God is not coming (laughs) in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, behold, because the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Now that may seem like the slight little change, but this is where the no separation gospel begins to, to, you know, to transform everything. We thought we had to cry out for the kingdom to come down. I mean, how many of you guys have spent years praying, heaven come down, heaven open, kingdom come. And Jesus says it does not come with ways that can be observed the, I love it. it just says the kingdom of God is not coming. <laughs> he, 
He says, behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. John 14, 20, the old classic, the old classic, it's hammered. In that day, you will know that I am in my father. You are in me and I am in you. Oh, knowing, knowing, knowing union, knowing something that's already true. You know, in Galatians, Paul, uh, Paul says, it, it pleased the father to reveal his son in me, to reveal him in me. He's already there. This union thing is already taking place. It was manifest in Christ, right? It seemed to us maybe as if there was bridging some gap, but Jesus appears on the scene to demonstrate what's always already been true, um, that we could see it with our eyes, that we could taste, we could touch him with our hands and know that there is no separation. We are in union now. Now, this, this is the gospel, right? Union. So last week we talked about how Matthew 4, 17, Mark 1, 15, those were the verses the Lord used to open my eyes. And I think they are the clearest little one sentence phrase of the gospel um, that the kingdom of heaven is already at hand, already, already. You know, we talked about that last week. And, but how is that? Why is that? Um, why? Why is the kingdom already here? Because we're in union with God. We're in union with God in Christ. And th this message of union, we just don't get it. We think, oh yeah, how nice it is that God is with us. But it's like God is with us. Abba, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are with us. So when they come, they have all their virtue, all their life. Everything that Jesus is and has is now in union with you. So it's like, the old Christian prayer, and we always used to pray when I grew up as a Lutheran boy, we always used to pray, uh, Lord, be with them. Just be with us this day and be with the, all those that are sick. And like, now it, it was sad that we kind of thought we had to like beg God to, to be there a little bit. But ultimately, that's th that is the ultimate prayer that God would just be with us. Right. And that's Emmanuel. That is the message. If God is with us, what do we lack? Like what could, so we're like, man, I, I, I can't wait until God heals or God delivers or God causes me to prosper or God gives me intimacy. It's like, you're in union with him. Like, how could you, what, what do you not already have? You know? So this, this message of union is so huge. It's so massive. Just taking time, you know, uh, I love Baxter says, you know, one of his favorite prayers is just to say, Holy spirit, are you in me? You know, he said, just ask Jesus, Jesus, are you in me? You know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just take some moments, you know, look around your room real quick and be like, am I, is this room filled with God? Is my body filled with God? Whoa, whoa. What is, and what does that include? What all is there? If God is here, what all is here? Ding dong, ding dong. Wow. All right, let's do a little discussion. Let's do some comments. I, I see my beautiful hecklers are in the chat. I love you guys making comments about the guess who and the who and Abba and all. <laughs> Woo! But uh, anybody want to make some comments on what we've talked about so far or uh, just little little nuggets? Maybe you can keep it around the subject of union, no separation, the Trinity, some stuff that we already been talking about. but. Um, uh, or, or no need, you know, it's whatever, but I just, I always like to leave a little room to, uh, to make this interactive, you know, or if there's any questions too, 
so far we can take those as well. But woo, you feel What'd you say, Adrian? What'd you say? Shuck a donkey. <laughs> Taste it, man. Taste it. It's one thing to talk about this stuff, but these are words are always only pointers, right? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, that Shoot. phrase, that phrase that you quote out of uh, what Matthew and Mark, it's like I struggled with that for so long because I was just trying to understand, you know, how is that the gospel where he says, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Yes. How is that the gospel? So, you know, a part of this gospel is is God wants to engage us in a conversation for us to even gives us the questions like, well, what does that mean? You know, what are the implications? When I started to just look up that word kingdom and realizing God is literally presenting in that very little phrase, an entirely new reality, because he's saying there that now this is the king's domain. You know, if I look up that word, it simply means the domain in which there is a king and Lord of all. Literally, you know, he owns all of it. He owns all of us. And he is literally overcome and overwhelmed and, and, and filled us with himself and all of creation. Now, as opposed to whatever might have been a kingdom of darkness, you know. And so here is that why he even would say repent because change your mind because you think you're stuck in this other reality. And in truth, and this is the very same message I found out that John the Baptist was preaching his very gospel. Because it says there, this is the gospel. He went around preaching the gospel. Repent, the kingdom is here. And so that gospel is literally in included in that this this idea of a completely different reality from whatever mankind had been experiencing since the fall and so this is why for me it's like knowing not only who what but where you know and why realizing this objective reality this objective truth is just a complete shift of reality by the infilling of Christ in all. So I love, I just love these words and the places they can take us and getting a deeper understanding, you know, like even to say it's already, I mean, it just hit me like, Oh, Jesus said, okay, I'm done. It's already now (laughs) like dinner's here. Come and get it. It's already. (laughs) All you gotta do is taste and see, jump in there and get you some. So anyway, that's just one of the thoughts I had about that. Thank you. So good. So good. David, what do you want to share, brother? Um, I remember when I first started uh, believing the gospel, um, you know, I'd come out of a, a very conservative background and I was just like, you know, but I have to take credit for something. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yes. Um, and just realizing like how much was already already done, like, you know, take my hands off. Um, but another thing was um, 
like I, I started meditating uh, some time ago when I first started listening to you um, on uh, Ephesians 2, 6, being seated together in heavenly places. Yes, bro. And uh, I'm like, God, you know, I think in picture form. So I have to have a, a vision in order to make it real, you know, so show me something. And uh, I remember like I went up, well, I didn't really go up. I just opened my eyes, but I went into heaven and I saw myself as though I was like in Jesus looking out on the rest of heaven. And uh, there was so much that I could take away from that. Like there's not two thrones in heaven. There's one throne. We're seated Ooh. with him in heavenly places. And uh, yeah, like I was whacking the rest of the day from that. Shoo, shoo. <laughs> That is so good, bro. Thanks for sharing, man. I, I love to hear testimonies too. Anytime, if you, anybody wants to share of like what the gospel's done or just your any your experiences, because it really, I mean, oh my Lord. I mean, I still remember the, the day that it began to dawn on me in March of 2008, where I was like, oh my God, like what if everything I'd been crying out for all these years was already here? Like, oh, and then it was just, it was in the dawning of that, like just the dawning of that upon my consciousness, upon my awareness, like not just as an intellectual fact, but it just began to manifest. I just began to get drunk. It was like when I would pray for people, lay my hands, stuff would start happening. Like just, just supernatural stuff. It, you know, my heart began to feel super satisfied. I wasn't angry with people or irritated or judgy. Like I was, it was like, the fruit of heaven, like just by knowing his nearness, just by knowing that he gave it all to me. And, uh, uh, I, and I love hearing, you know, when, when, and, you know, I get it. Sometimes people hear this message for a long time before it dawns in a, in a way, you know, and, uh, I am praying that tonight that even for everybody that watches or listens, there might be even a greater. And I believe we're, we, we're all continuing to awaken because, you know, if anybody claims to be woke, well, let them uh, let's go to the hospital and see if you can lay hands on 100 percent of the people and see 100 percent healed. You know, I see healings from time to time, but I believe a woke person, you fully realize all all we're packing in Christ, all that we have. Dude, we're going to the the supernatural will be in, insane and just the enjoyment of the natural. But uh you know, sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, 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 I get the gospel. It's like, do you do you realize that all of heaven is here? Are you experiencing it in you and around you and manifesting through you in every way? If you are, you won't have to tell anybody even. You, you, you Preach the gospel if necessary. Use words, you know. <laughs> it'll, it'll start popping like Brother Lawrence and people will be driving from miles around. You know, people ask, how do I start a ministry? It's like, dude, just get the gospel. You won't be able to stop a ministry because... People will be gathered to the fruit in your life, you know, so I, but I'm excited for a greater and greater dawning of that reality. And uh, and it's fun sometimes just by sharing these testimonies with one another, too. It's like you hear something that someone experienced and whoosh, that thing, it, it be, it's yours. You know, it's already yours. And uh, so I don't know. Anybody else want to share before we keep going? Because I'll talk all night. You know, you know that uh, I'll, I'll say something. Um, like I, yeah what i find is so cool is like um that there's just like that it's not about like anything we do and when you try not to do when you try too hard like then that's when you that's when you like get into religion and just like give up and just like listen to the word and just believe it and just enjoy it and when you're just having fun and just enjoying god and then that's when that's when you can just 
receive from him. But when you're trying too hard to try and get something or achieve something or do something, or as soon as you try to do something, then you then you're striving, then you like, then you can't you can't get that into that easy zone of just enjoying the grace. But when you're just resting and just enjoying yourself and having fun and just and, and everything just falls in place. Come on, bro. Come on. Taking it easy. Yeah. Is isn't that such a big a big part of it, man? It's 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 coming to to a rest. And and that's part of what the reason I'm so passionate to to I'm, I've been like a rabid dog ravenous to like, I will not let go of this, this meat, the, uh, this juicy morsel, the gospel, because seeing that it's done and then coming to that rest, it, you're, then you're able to, it's the, the God fruit is able to flow rather than the fruit of striving, which is never anything better than just something temporary. It's like, it's like a, a tiny speck compared to the whole seashore, you know? <laughs> our efforts can do a little bit and then we burn out. But when we hear that it's all done and we come to rest now, Holy Spirit's fruit is able to manifest. And uh, like, uh, like Joseph Prince always used to say, you know, when we rest, God can work, you know, <laughs> Maddie B what's up, homie. Good to see you tonight. Oh, shing a ding, ding, ding. How's it going? Mr. Matt. <laughs> 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 How's it going? Give us a word, apostle prophet. <laughs> oh, the word is the bird. The word, <laughs> the word is the bird, and you've got the bird <laughs> in your belly. <laughs> but anyways, um, no, I just wanted to make a small comment, and it's like kind of piggybacking on your comment that like oh you know you've heard the gospel you think you know it all so let's go to a hospital and clear it out that yeah. kind of thing you know and I, I just I just think that like sometimes like I, I just like want to put my finger in my ear and just like scrape out the the wax every yeah. time the 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 gospel gets preached because I, I think sometimes we like just because like uh, like everybody's like oh he's gonna bring up the Carl Bart again and the TFT and he's gonna quote John Crowder again we're gonna bring up Galatians and Romans again and Ephesians one you know like like and I think for some of us we've probably heard like half of this but like I don't know like if you can hear it like right a right like something in your belly is gonna leap every single time. Oh, shing a ding, 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 ding. And I, I don't know, like, I just feel like sometimes my ears really need to get the wax out and like the wax out of my brain because like this news is not like some normal, like, oh yeah, you know, like you save 250 on your, you know, I don't know, your beer or something. Like you saved a dollar on your cucumbers. It's not like that kind of good news, right? You know, it's not like even like the type of good news, like, oh yeah, yeah, like the car dealer is going to give you a great deal and you're going to save two grand. It's not even that type of good news. It's like ridiculous good news it's like it's like unbelievable good news it's like the type of news that it's like it, every time like if you hear it right something in your mind dies and something in your mind 
comes back to life. It's like ridiculous. Ooh. It's ridiculous. Like who says that you're the owner of all things? Like go outside and just point at something and that God says you're the owner of that. Like, you know, I'm not saying you go out there and start stealing your neighbor's stuff. I'm saying that, <laughs> but th that's essentially what God's saying. And then also like these crazy attributes, right? Like his righteousness, like his way of doing things, his love his joy, his character, you know, like, uh, you know, all that stuff that like, you know, that, that just blows your mind. When you meet a good person, like somebody that's like really cool, you're like, dang, that guy is super cool. Like, I wish I was like that person. Well, Jesus is saying you are like that person, but even better. You're like Jesus. Whoa, whoa, he's the coolest person in the world. You know, whoa, he's the most lovely uh, of, of the, in the world. He's the fairest among 10,000. So but anyways, whoa, whoa. I just think that like sometimes like just, just you know, brace yourself. The good news is preached. You need to brace yourself. <laughs> you know when you get on the roller coaster and you brace yourself? <laughs> Let's brace ourselves. <laughs> Amen. Thanks, guys. Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh. I'm gonna share something with you guys. Oh, go. Sammy. Can I share? Can I share with you guys what? So, last week, um, we were talking about what is the gospel, and we were listening to it on Saturday. Um, and as you guys were enjoying communion together, um, I started having this. I don't know what you would call it vision or just experience in this contemplation joining in communion and it's been just such a beautiful contemplation this whole week and I would love to share it with you if that's okay oh please come on so we're bracing I wrote, little, <laughs> I wrote a little bit of it down so that I can read this to you oh yeah I see us at the table father son holy spirit the connector, the breath between us all, touching every surface area on the inside and outside of us, demolishing the delusion of our separateness, distance, delay. Mm. Every breath breaks the lie. <laughs> And every breath reveals the truth. Look at those three sitting there. They're bouncing with vibrancy. They're beaming with joy. Guffawing. Bending over as their stomachs burn. What a loud and boisterous laugh it is. Bumping elbows, gleaming eyes. What love. The rivers of living water flowing between them. And then suddenly I see us. <laughs> there we are inside the cup. 
in the cup of our in the cup of our father swimming in that wine oh what an intoxicating love as he pulls the cup to his lips i feel the kiss of my father on my head as he drinks of the wine How astonishing, how inebriating to look over at my neighbor, the sun, drinking the blood. Wow, I don't even know what to do with this. I'm participating in this worship already happening. So in, so in. And then I you guys, I pictured as the father was drinking the cup and pulling the cup to his lips, the wine is just literally coming up over the cup and coming over us as we're sitting in the cup. Just picture your arms like spread out on the edge of the cup. And the, <laughs> the wine is just baptizing over and over, over our faces. Mm. It's just a place that we've always been and we're never gonna leave. And I've just been contemplating that all week and I just don't even know what else to say. That's so beautiful. hammered oh lord oh <laughs> just take a moment guys bask bask in the reality whoa bask at the table <laughs> maybe take another bite of the bread <laughs> take another sip <sighs> So I, uh, I wrote like a little short story based on that vision she had, and I won't necessarily share it <laughs> here because it's a little lengthy. Um, That's awesome. The, yeah, the little, the details and the nuance of it, just um, the gospel, this, their, their fellowship together. And mm. then, um, yeah, just mm. as we, as we see them delighting in each other um you know i just oh <laughs> i could just stay there you know um because <laughs> it's reality like what you were saying <laughs> and, and, hey, oh yeah and um we find ourselves there whoa and we find all of humanity <laughs> there just in that cup <laughs> yo enjoying <laughs> enjoying this sweet fellowship. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> this is church, guys. This is church right here. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's such a joy to laugh together. Oh. 
Oh, yeah, it is. Such yeah. a joy to laugh with you all. <laughs> Martin Luther was right. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa.